Luke's account of the birth of Jesus is perhaps the most well-known version of the uh, Christmas story. Luke tells us about the shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. That was until they heard the wonderful news. The angel said, do not be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign. You'll find the babe wrapped in bands of cloth, swaddling cloths, as said in the, in the King James Version, and lying in a manger. And then Luke tells us the shepherds went with haste, and sure enough, they found Mary, they found Joseph, they found the animals, and they found the baby lying in the manger. Today we light the third candle on the Advent wreath, the shepherd's candle, which is the candle of joy. One of the many things that brings joy to, um, uh, to our household, or at least to, to Megan and me, I don't know about the kids quite yet, um, is the receiving of Christmas cards. I love getting Christmas cards this time of year uh, because before we ended up in Nashville, we met in Nashville, we lived all over the place. And so we have friends and family scattered throughout the country. And, and sometimes Christmas cards are the only way that you can keep up with people. Uh, you can see trips that they've taken. You can see babies that have been born. Uh, you can see uh, uh, kids that are growing up really fast and, and what, what a difference a year can make in the lives of, uh, of, of families. But um, we get these cards and we actually put them up in our, our kitchen uh, and we kind of surround the, the kitchen and we feel a sense of joy because we're looking at all of the people that we know and love in Nashville and, and beyond and you're sensing their presence uh, during uh, Christmas time. And, and as you know, because most of us send Christmas cards, uh, most of these cards are happy. Uh, everybody's smiling at the beach, or they're standing next to the Tetons, uh, or the Eiffel Tower, or Rockefeller Center, um, and the messages are peace on earth, you know, joy to the world, love, hope, Merry Christmas, uh, from our family to yours, Happy New Year, and sometimes with these cards, you'll get a, a short letter. Uh, some letters are longer than others, but you'll get a short letter. And uh, it'll say things like, you know, Bill became CEO. Jackson graduated from Dartmouth. Uh, Jennifer chaired the symphony ball. Leslie made the basketball team. Uh, Bobby got into law school. We moved into our dream home. Uh, we had a great summer in Nantucket. We celebrated our 25th anniversary in Key West. You know what I'm talking about which is all great, I'm not knocking it at all, okay? But when you do what I do for a living, when you're, when you're a pastor, when you're a minister, then you're well aware that although the Christmas cards may look like everything is great and happy on the outside, on the surface, that's usually not the full story. And so what Christmas cards won't tell you are, are the hard things that families and, and couples have had to go through over the past year. Things like, um, after 30 years of marriage, Jim had an affair and wants a divorce. Or Betty's been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Or Elaine, our 20-year-old, had to leave college and be checked into rehab for a couple of months. Bobby got a DUI in Knoxville. We've suffered through two miscarriages, but we're still hoping to have a baby. Jane is battling severe depression. Betty's addicted to pain pills. 
Billy has a drinking problem. These are not the things that people talk about because this is the, the hard stuff, the hard part of life. This is the part that doesn't get posted on social media. These are the things that we just would assume keep to ourselves. And to some degree, I believe that Christmas is a microcosm of our lives. If things are going well, if your marriage is healthy, if your kids are happy, if you are blessed with close friends, if you've had a good year financially, if you're enjoying your retirement, then perhaps you're happy this Christmas. But if for some reason things are not going well, if you are battling cancer, if you're going through a divorce, if you have lost a job, if you're depressed, if you're feeling lonely, if you're struggling financially, then Christmas might just make these situations even worse. But here's what I want everybody to know this third Sunday of Advent, the day that we light the shepherd's candle. Regardless of where you are this Christmas, regardless of what may be going on in your family, you can experience joy. And joy is not the same thing as happiness. Joy is better than happiness. Joy can be found in the good times as well as in the difficult times. In fact, some would even argue that you can experience more joy during the difficult times of life than you can during the good times of life. Um, I did some of my research on a, uh, an ethicist named Stanley Harawas. He taught at Notre Dame, and he taught at Duke, and, and he's, he retired a few years ago. But um, back in the 80s, he wrote a, a pretty remarkable book called The Peaceable Kingdom. And Harawas is known as a pacifist, um, a very interesting guy. But in that book, he talks about the basic difference between happiness and joy. He says happiness is too shallow of a notion to characterize the disposition of the Christian. It too often suggests merely the satisfaction of desires that we have for ourselves. He says, joy always comes to us in a form that we hardly expect. Joy is the disposition that comes from our readiness always to be surprised. Or put even more strongly, Joy is the disposition that comes from our realization that we can trust in surprises for the sustaining of our lives, where we learn to see the simple and most common aspects of our existence, such as our friends, our spouses, our children, as sheer gifts to which we have no right but who are nonetheless present to us. In other words, joy can happen when we least expect it. And it resonates deep within our soul. And, and the feeling of joy cannot be taken away from us. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is lasting. Happiness is, is often dependent upon external things. Joy is found on the inside. Happiness comes and goes, but joy can stick with us. Happiness is a part of joy, but joy goes much deeper than, than happiness. You know, we can be joyful during the difficult times of life, the painful times of life. Joy resonates in our soul, and sometimes we can't even explain it, but we can feel it. Sometimes people will use these two words simultaneously, and, and that's okay, except for they're not really the same thing. Somebody once said that happiness is a, an, an inch deep and a mile wide, but joy is a mile deep and a mile wide. Jonathan Haidt, social psychologist, teaches at NYU, um, 
he wrote this book years ago called The Happiness Hypothesis. And he said, There's, from my perspective, there are three basic sources of happiness in life. He said, the first source is that happiness comes from, from, from getting things, buying things. Um, it, it's what the advertisements tell you. A December to remember when you get your new Lexus. Um, it's the mindset that says happiness comes when you're successful, when you have more money from buying a house or a new car, shoes or a purse or jewelry. Um, the bigger the diamond, the more he loves you. Remember that. Remember that. <laughs> really unfortunate if you can't afford a big diamond, right? And yes, all these things might bring us happiness, but, but it's always short-lived because it goes away and then we have to move on to the next thing. The, the second source that Haidt talks about is this kind of Buddhist approach that happiness in life comes from within. Um, it's, it's blocking out desire and it's not being attached to things. And so he says, you know, we should, we should pray and we should meditate. We should do yoga and all this is fine, but even this is inadequate in and of itself. So then Haidt moves on to the third category and he says, I've concluded that happiness actually comes from between. And I think what, what he's talking about here is, is joy from relationships with other people. The times when we experience the greatest joy in life is when we are with other people. It's when we fall in love. It's when we get married. It's when we have a deep conversation with a close friend that's meaningful. It's when a child or a grandchild is born. It's when we're surrounded by people that we love and who love us in return. This is when we experience joy in life. And, and, and it might happen at a funeral or it might happen in a hospital room or, or, or at a graveside. There's a story that's told about a young mother who had uh, two small children. And, and one night, not too long before Christmas, there was a knock at her door. And she received the terrible news that her husband had been killed in a car accident. Only just a couple days before Christmas. And she was shocked and she was crying and she was angry. And she wondered, how am I going to raise my children on my own? But the following day, she said this. She said, don't turn out the lights. Don't undecorate the tree. Christmas was made for such a time as this. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Christ was born for such a time as this. The Book of Joy uh, is a book that was co-written by the Dalai Lama and, and Bishop Desmond Tutu uh, from South Africa. Both of these men know uh, a lot about pain and hurt because they've lived through it. They also know a lot about joy. And in the book, they, they say there are certain obstacles in life that keep us from joy. And this is not news. Uh, we're all aware of what these are. They identify fear, stress, and anxiety. Uh, the Dalai Lama says stress and anxiety often come from too much expectation and too much ambition then when we don't fulfill that expectation or achieve that ambition, we experience frustration. So much of our stress and anxiety is self-imposed. And the more ambitious you are in life, the more stress and anxiety you will have. And I think that's true. They talk about frustration and anger. The Dalai Lama says a healthy mind is a calm mind. Fear and anger are destroyers of the calm mind. Anger creates more problems than it solves. And yet we live in a world where there's far too much anger and resentment and tension. They talk about loneliness 
And I, I believe that loneliness is one of the greatest challenges of the 21st century and that smartphones aren't cutting it. Uh, it it's actually making it worse. Social media is making it worse. Um, people have fewer friends than they used to have. They talk about envy and jealousy. Uh, it's hard to experience joy in your life when you're constantly focusing on what you don't have or what other people have that you wish you had. Envy keeps us from being grateful. It keeps us dissatisfied. And they call these things the joy killers. But then in the book, they, they identify eight pillars of joy, which include perspective, humility, humor, acceptance, forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. And this question how can we find joy, how can we experience joy is actually much more complicated than we might think. Because you just don't go out looking for joy. But you have to live your life being open to the possibility that joy could pop up at any given moment when you least expect it. And here are some thoughts that I have about, about joy. Um, I do believe it's different from happiness, but but, but I think that, that there are certain things that we can do to orient ourselves towards experiencing joy in life. The first one is this. Joy is found in learning to be present. We can't experience joy until we learn to live in the present moment. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. If we don't learn to live in the present, then we will not experience joy. Joy is found in the moment. And because so many people have a hard time living in the moment, there's a shortage of joy in our culture. But it's not found in the past. I mean, you can reflect upon the past, but it's not found in worrying about the future. It's found in the present. Second thought. Joy is found in people, not things. You've heard that, that saying that for some reason in life we've, we've learned to uh, uh, love things and use people and we should love people and use things. Joy is found in people. There are lots of false assumptions in our culture, one of them being that, that money and stuff will fulfill us. Um, and it never does. It doesn't matter how much you have. You can be a multimillionaire. You can own all kinds of stuff. It, it never completely fulfills us. It might make us happy, but only for a little while. Joy is found in people. It's found in relationships. Joy is found in serving. Joy is found in being a part of a community where you connect and where you make friendships and where you care about people and they care about you. And so if you think about it, um, you know, here's some of the things that I think bring us joy in life. Sustaining a marriage over the years. Raising children. Growing a friendship and nurturing it over the years. Visiting the sick. Serving the less fortunate. Being there for people when they're going through a difficult time. Visiting somebody who's in the hospital. These are the places where we find joy. And we can say that joy, uh, you can say that it's, it's found when we invest in each other. When we share life together. It's what the Christian community is all about. 
Third thought this morning. Joy comes when we open our hearts and our minds to the mystery of God and how God came to earth in human form that first Christmas. What does that mean? It means this. If you're tired of living the same old life, doing the same old things, going the same old places, saying the same old stuff, then stop and open your heart to the mystery of the incarnation. Let Jesus Christ be born into your heart this Christmas. You see, some of us are so busy and we're so exhausted, especially during December, that we don't stop to pray and to reflect and to be in God's presence, to let God love us and to let God speak to us. And, and, and that, takes, that takes discipline, that takes work, but it's worth it. And that's why Christmas is a miracle. Emmanuel means God with us. God came to earth in human form. He became one of us. He bridged that gap. He showed us how to live. He showed us how to love. Uh, through Jesus Christ, the divine became human. The eternal appeared in time. The creator became a part of creation. Or as John writes so beautifully in the fourth gospel, the one that's kind of different from the other three, the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory. The glory is of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. And when we begin to wrap our heads around that concept, we start to experience joy in the presence of God. There's only nine more days until Christmas. I told my kids that getting out of the car at church, they were surprised. A week from Tuesday, Christmas will be here. And so the question is, have we taken the time to experience the presence of God and the joy that the Christ child brings? I hope we have. And if for some reason we haven't, it's still not too late. Somebody once said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. And if our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for a savior. And so God sent his son to teach us how to live, to teach us how to love. The word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace, full of truth. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we sing. And that's why we rejoice. And that's what brings joy into our hearts even in the face of hurt, even in the face of pain and suffering, even when we don't know what the future might hold. Amen.